Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, May 28th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Storetta, and joining me on today's podcast is Senior News Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And Weekend Editor Fred Oman. Hey, that's me. Okay, let's jump into it. We got a bunch of stories for today. Uh, nothing like gigantic. Actually, we got a Marvel story that's interesting. Let's start first with this Showtime show that's about Uber. Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, Showtime is actually starting this new anthology series called Super Pumped. Um, it's based on a book by Mike Isaac called Super Pumped, The Battle for Uber. Um, and it's about the the rise of Uber in the transportation industry, uh, the various hurdles and controversy and complications they've had since they became such a huge part of it. Um, and the reason this is an anthology series is because apparently the Super Pumped title will be something that um, applies to various seasons of uh, material that will dive into different kinds of businesses and how um, they've like had an impact, you know, on, on their various industries. So that will be an overarching title and each season is meant to deal with a, a different business. So not every season will be about Uber. Um, but for this uh, Uber season, uh, we've recently heard that Joseph Gordon-Levitt will be playing Uber's uh, CEO or former CEO, rather, uh, Travis Kalanick. And now we have a new cast member in the form of Kyle Chandler, 
uh, and he'll be playing a key part of Uber's rise as Bill Gurley. Uh, he's described as uh, the plain-spoken, brilliant Texan venture capitalist who bets his starting reputation on Uber's success and then has to live with the consequences. So, yeah, uh, maybe, you know, it sounds uh, like it could be a, a good role for, for Chandler. You know, I, I, I wish that we could get him something like a good lead role because he keeps playing, you know, these supporting characters. And I just feel like he's he's so much better than this, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I'm just very skeptical of the show. I know when they announced they were making a Facebook movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be horrible. Like, well, what is this even going to be? And that ended up being one of my favorite movies of of that decade. So, but, but, but Brad, do you think there's enough in the Uber story to, to make it uh, something that you'd want to watch? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, you know, a lot of interesting things when it comes to, like, how these massive, uh, you know, corporate entities, companies come come to be, you know. Uh, it's the same kind of thing with, uh, you know, the story of, um, of the founder, you know, about how McDonald's turned into the biggest fast food chain in the world. You know, you wouldn't necessarily think that that would be... Uh, an exciting story, but it's it's an interesting one when you see how all the moving pieces uh, came together and the the ups and downs and all the issues they had, especially with Uber. You know, with as many times as they've been in uh, the headlines and how they've you know changed the face of um, transportation in, in major metropolitan areas. Uh, I think there's a lot to to dig into. You know. Okay, uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the Marvel news that we have for today. It seems like we're getting a. A Black Panther spinoff on Disney Plus. Jacob, tell us about it. Yeah, Hollywood Reporter ran this story about uh, sort of a, a list of various accomplishments from various Hollywood lawyers, and buried in it was some very interesting news about attorney Jamie Mandelbaum and how he, uh, quote, brokered a deal for actress Denai Guerrera to not only reprise her role as Okoye in a Black Panther sequel, but in an origin spinoff series for Disney Plus. Now, we knew that there was a Black Panther uh, spinoff uh, coming to Disney+, Plus, but this is the first we've heard of an Okoye series. Of course, she is the le- leader of the um, uh, Dora Milaje, the uh, bodyguards to King T'Challa in the Black Panther films, and she also reappeared in Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame uh, in supporting role. So I guess the question now, and I'll ask Peter and Brown what they think, uh, did THR just accidentally spoil the... <laughs> Um, plot of Disney Plus's upcoming already established Black Panther spinoff series? Or is this a, a separate show uh, that happens to be just focused on Okoye in her origin story? Well, that, that was going to be my question to you, Jacob. Are these the same? <laughs> is this the same project or are these two separate projects? And how do you do an origin story without having access to Chadwick Boseman? That's a really good question. Uh, my guess is it's the same project. If, if you had to say, Jacob, put yeah. $10 down on this betting table, which way or the other, I'll say that THR just explained what the origin, it's not that the origin, but the <laughs> what this movie, will, the series will be. It'll be an origin story for Okoye. And I guess it's possible. Maybe there's, there's a stylistic choice in keeping T'Challa off screen, uh, the, the unseen king who she's working to, up, working her way up to the ranks to you know, protect. Maybe, as I just imagine a, a a show flashing back and forth between like her earliest days as a warrior and her days maybe uh, after mourning King Charles death. Uh, that's just, that's just me speculating. I am completely spitballing. All we know over is that THR <laughs> while writing about corporate lawyers <laughs> just revealed that Denai Guerrera is getting, uh, it will be a major part of whatever show this is. And you know what? Good for her. She was the best part of the walking dead for years. She's wonderful in this role in, in its smaller capacity in the Marvel movies. And I am all for this character and more of a just, getting more spotlights uh, on in Disney plus. I mean, 
just what a cool character. What a, what a cool world to have a, a series set in. Yeah, when they first announced they were going to be doing Marvel shows for Disney Plus, I assumed it was going to be, you know, the 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 Star Wars formula of like let's do some prequels, like showing how some of these characters. But it hasn't been that. Actually, Brad, you might know better than I. Like, are there any other prequel shows that are in development now at, uh, for Marvel? For Disney Plus, um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I, I mean, unless the, unless they plan on like having some of the shows that are introducing new heroes somehow be set further back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. I mean, yeah. I mean, Captain Marvel went all the way back to the '90s, um, in the middle of the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, present day, you know, series of movies. So uh, it's possible, but we haven't heard anything about any of the shows that we we know about being set further in the past. Yeah, I'm also kind of surprised that their their pitch for a Black Panther show isn't Wakanda the show, because I feel like that would be the the way to do it. Like the Game of Thrones, like set it in that world. But what if this is Wakanda the show? What if her rise through the ranks of Dora Milaje is the story of backstabbing and political intrigue and T'Challa and his family uh, holding on to the throne? So I'm saying, Peter. What if it is? Yeah, actually, that's what I was going to say is I wonder if like it, um, if we'll get a background, you know, about Wakanda and how it came to be. And because uh, that way you don't actually need, you know, uh, Chadwick Boseman to be heavily involved because there's so much that happened before he was even uh, took on the mantle of Black Panther and, and all that. So there's there's plenty of history Wakanda has that they could explore. Yeah, uh, and definitely. I feel like Marvel, you know, it's, it's set in our world for the most part. Wakanda is a big piece of world building. It's it's the one world in in the in the universe, I guess, other than Guardians of the Galaxy, because you know I'd like to explore the the, the places they've been. But those are the two places that I feel like I, I would want to spend more time in. You know, the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of just on our an, another version of our Earth, uh, which is less exciting. Um, okay, let, let's move on. Let's talk about Peacock ordering a new series from Damon Lindelof. You know, we are, are fans of Damon Lindelof and what, what he has done on television. Uh, Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, Peacock snagged a new series uh, from Damon Lindelof, who, uh, if you don't know, uh, he's the executive producer of HBO's Watchmen series. He also was the executive producer on Lost and The Leftovers. And this time he's teaming up with Tara Hernandez, which is uh, a surprising collaborator because she is uh, a co-executive producer and writer for The Big Bang Theory and the spinoff series Young Sheldon. Uh, but this isn't uh, a, a comedy series that Lindelof is doing, anything like that. Uh, the show is called Mrs. Davis, and it's pretty much shrouded in mystery for the most part, uh, except that the premise is said to explore faith versus technology in an epic battle of biblical and binary proportions, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> um, at, at one point, you could have told me that was the the plot synopsis for Lost. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you it could easily be used to describe Lost in the most vague way possible. <laughs> so yeah, um, this is you know I, we're going to be excited for anything Lindelof does, especially since he hasn't uh, done anything new since Watchmen. So um, obviously, Peacock really wanted to you know, get in his corner and get this show going. It could be something that is, is big for them. I'm sure they're hoping it turns into something as big as lost or Watchmen. Um, but you know, without knowing what the, the, the plot is and what it really is about, it's, uh, it's tough to say what, you know, what to expect. You know, I haven't really been paying much attention to Peacock. You know, everything's been happening with Netflix and Disney plus and uh, now HBO max is this the first thing announced by Peacock that you're like excited for? 
um, for like original? I I don't know about that because like I, I haven't watched it yet, just because I haven't had the time. I was excited when they picked up uh, Girls Five Eva, the comedy series from Tina Fey and Robert Carla, because I'm a big Thirty Rock fan. Um, but otherwise, I I would say this is probably the, one of the more intriguing projects that they've picked up that I'm tr- you know truly interested in seeing what it is if if only just because i'm curious about you know the, what the show is about yeah i'm looking down the list here uh jacob tell me if any of these sound exciting to you dan brown's the lost symbol eh. dr death mm. uh we are lady parts <laughs> vanderpump dogs no um Ketra's gonna be watching that one uh epstein's shadow no, no. <laughs> Girls Five Eva. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, it, be, um, it seems funny. Is it funny, Brad? I, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't, I haven't had time, but oh. I've heard good things. Uh, Rutherford Falls. I hear that's good. I actually hear it's fun. Uh, Punky Brewster. No, <laughs> she's, a, she's a single mother. You don't want. Uh, you don't want to watch Punky Brewster as a single mother. Punky Brewster is a relic of a time period best left forgotten. Okay, Saved by the Bell. Oh, also a relic. Of, uh, sorry for those of you who love Saved by the Bell, but a relic best left forgotten. Uh, AP Bio. Oh, AP Bio is awesome. But that was an NBC show first, so it doesn't really count. Yeah. Psych 2. I didn't even know they made a sequel. To oh, Psych. they're making a they... Psych 3 as well. Are they? Yep. Wait, it's called Psych 2 Lassie Come Home? Yeah. This is really? Uh, I, 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 have a, I have a theory, Peter, that no one on Earth has ever seen an episode of Psych. It, it's purely a tax scam. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to make my way through the rest of this. Intelligence, Hitman, Code 404. Yeah, a lot of... The, I don't know. I, I haven't heard of many of these shows. Intergalactic. Are we excited for Intergalactic? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh What about Save Me Too? Or Departure? Or... I don't know. I think this is the first show. I You know what? I, maybe I got to see that girl show. But uh, this is the first show I'm, I'm I'm scrolling and it just keeps on going and going and there's nothing that like really oh wow they're making a Where's Waldo show or I guess it's already out it's for it's for kids it's like an animated series okay okay anyway something to be excited excited for uh, we'll we'll keep you updated when we learn more but I'm assuming since Damon Lindelof is involved we're probably not going to learn more until it it airs yeah I feel like Lindelof but Lindelof has gained. He's gained my trust. Whatever you want, yeah. whatever he's ready to talk about this, whatever it is, to reveal it. He's one of those guys where, you know, lost the show. I think we all like or and have mixed feelings on whatever that ending is. But uh, I think with between the leftovers and Watchmen and the best parts of Lost, I mean, I'm going to follow the guy to Peacock. I'm going to sign up for Peacock to watch this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we mentioned Punky Brewster and Save by the Bell, and you said they're, you know, things from a different era that we probably should have just forgotten and moved on with our lives. Uh, that brings us to our next story, and they are making a Garbage Pail Kids animated series. Jacob, tell us about it. Yeah, uh, the team behind the Halloween revival, <laughs> specifically uh, uh, David Gordon Green uh, and Danny McBride, you know, who uh, David Gordon Green directed the Halloween movie as well as lots of other films you love, and uh, Danny McBride, the comedic actor, uh, and lots of great stuff and lots of silly stuff, uh, who also co-wrote Halloween. They're working on a Garbage Pail Kids animated series for HBO Max uh, with Josh Bicell, who works on Hulu's Solar Opposites. And if you're not familiar with Garbage Pail Kids, they're a, a smidge before my time. Peter may be able to do a little better at this, but they were a trading card series full of 
uh, Cabbage Patch Kids parodies of like children with pun-based names who are usually uh, disfigured or in pain or have something horrible happening in them. And they're really gross. They were really transgressive. And I get it if you were like a kid in the 80s who just wanted to stick it to the man. Maybe this is what you bought to upset your parents. <laughs> uh, but it inspired an animated show in the 80s and a truly nightmarish uh, live-action film. I put a clip from the film in our slash film Slack the other day. And HT, who's on the show today, couldn't even finish the clip. She got seconds into it and noped right out. Uh, so I guess I'll ask you, Peter, as someone who's older than me, someone who probably was who probably saw these cards more in the flesh than I did. Yeah. They, they were very much passe when I was old enough to know what cards were. Were these ever cool? What do people actually like these, or are they just gross? I mean, as kids, they were cool. Growing up in the eighties was the era of gross. Kids loved gross. They loved, you know, slime. You know, you had that whole Nickelodeon slime take off in like the 80s. Gak. And gak. Yeah. All, all that stuff. Kids loved gross things. Like, do you remember those, um, or those like, uh, those balls that had like the, the faces on them that, uh, I think Mondo just recently. Oh, did some mad balls. Is that what they're called? Mad balls. And there was goblins and there's all, all this stuff. I don't know. Garbage pail kids. I always loved the art on them. And, they were strange because I don't think they were actually just cards. Like they also were like a sticker that you could take off and like stick places, at least from what I remember. But I remember loving them as a kid. And I remember one day discovering the garbage pail kids movie and being so appalled. And this is a movie that I would show other, you know, I guess like kids in like middle school or whatever. It'd be like, have you seen this thing? Like, do you know about this? Like, it was like one of those things that like no one knew about. And people would like, you know, like hushingly share to other people. Not that anybody ever liked it, but they were like, oh, do you know about this? <laughs> Brad, have you ever seen the Garbage Pail Kids movie? No, I saw the clip yesterday and I was appropriately horrified at just the... Because they're all practical, like, creature creations with their faces. They look like terrifying Cabbage Patch kids that are just nightmare-inducing. Ugh, no. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's not something I would recommend. I, although, I guess I did recommend it as a kid to many people. Uh, it's, like, it's, just a, 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 it's just madness that exists. Because in the 80s, and I, I guess this happened more in the 80s than ever <laughs> since then, is a... It, it's I don't know who this movie is for. It's not made for kids, right? At least from my memory of it. And but the cards were for kids. So it's an it's animated series HBO Max. Peter, do you think this will be sort of a a transgressive, updated like R-rated Adult Swim style show, or do you think it'll be uh, more for children? I, I feel like with that crew, with, with David Gordon Green and Danny <laughs> McBride, and, and the sort of opposites guy, I feel like it's a show that'll be made for you people who who have nostalgia for this but who also may be like weird stoner comedy <laughs> that's, that's kind of what i feel like uh they're, they're going for you P people who are like peter but who are also stoned <laughs> i think you've answered your own question there jacob and i i agree with you but i will say the imagery from those cards like are very iconic like even if you've never collected the cards never seen a pack of those cards I'm sure if I describe that that little kid with like the atomic bomb, like his head exploding in an atomic bomb, like you can picture that in your head because that's like part of just like I don't know the, the pop culture lexicon. So uh, if if they can tap into those kind of 
iconic imagery in some way. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm in for anything that that team does, right? Yeah. So. I, I think they're, 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 they're other work for HBO. They're, they're live action shows. Uh, I, they work on together like uh, Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals. Uh, genius. Absolute works of genius. I just, I cannot get myself excited about Garfield Kids Peter. <laughs> I, I know that, that it's actually, you're right. It's well done art, but it's just, it always crossed some kind of line for me. Even when I was a kid, when I first saw it, I found it upsetting and not in a fun way. So <laughs> I'm clearly not the audience for this. I'm curious, like, do, do you think if we went back and looked at the cards now that they were appalling? Because I feel like that movie was much more appalling than the actual cards. The cards were, like, kind of playful and fun for kids. But the content is gross. Like, it's it's drawn to yeah. be, like, disgusting. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to Lord and Miller, who are producing a live-action comedy Brad, tell us about it. Lord and Miller can do no wrong, in my opinion. So, of course, I'm immediately excited about this new project called Strays. Um, it is a live-action comedy rather than the uh, animated fare that they're um, pretty well known for doing. Obviously, they also are famous for 21 Jump Street. Um, so, getting back into live-action, this is um, a movie that you would think would be a animated comedy because it's about an abandoned dog who teams up with other strays to get revenge on his former owner. Um, you would think it would be easier to do this as an animated movie, but it's going to be a live action comedy. Um, the team other than Lord and Miller behind this movie is also getting me very excited because, uh, it's based on an original pitch from writer Dan Peralt, who, uh, was the producer and writer behind American Vandal on Netflix. And, Directing will be Josh Greenbaum, who recently was at the helm of Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which was wonderfully silly. Um, a favorite movie of mine from earlier this year that I hope more people are, are watching and enjoying. So, yeah, this sounds, you know, uh, like a, a promising idea, something that could be fun. But um, I'm, again, curious as to how this works in live action comedy form, you know? Yeah. I mean, if Lorton Miller are making something it's everything they make is not like, Oh, that's obvious and makes sense. And that's going to be awesome. You know what I mean, like, like there's always something about it. That's like, this shouldn't work or this should be something else. Or like, I, do I really want this? And and, 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 and many, awesome. many times with Lord and Miller. Yeah. We have, I mean, yeah, the, the Lego movie 21 jump street. <laughs> it's like, it's all stuff that we've just been pleasantly surprised by. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing the dog, is going to be computer animated or CG, right? I mean, these days you can use a real dog and then also, you know, have animation. Augmented. Yeah, yeah, augmented. But at the same time, they did use a totally CG dog in Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford. So that's also not in the realm of possibility. Brad, no one, no one saw that movie. No one, no one knows it exists. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's move on to our final story for today. This involves the Academy Awards for 2022 because this year they, it, things were crazy you know because of the pandemic uh the rules got changed the show got pushed back the, el- the eligibility uh and qualifying all all got thrown out the uh, out the window and it was like such a weird weird thing even the ceremony was weird but 2022 th- things are going to be back to normal right jacob uh not at all peter I, there's been, there's been a definite <laughs> wind change here uh in short, some of the pandemic rules that were put in place for this year's award are being carried over the next year. So the question is, is this permanent or is this them accepting that things aren't back to normal yet? But that change is a big one, Peter. It's that films that debut on streaming or VOD 
will still be eligible for Academy Awards, including Best Picture, which is like a major step forward um, in past years where films required a theatrical release, leading to all kinds of uh, Netflix butting heads with theaters and with the Academy. Uh, in short, the Academy Awards will be held on March 27th, 2022, uh, you know, which is later than the usual February, but earlier than this year's April. So they're kind of splitting the difference there. And they're still going back to the calendar year approach, which means that uh, unlike this year, where films released in January and February were eligible for this year's awards, in order to be eligible for next year, you have to be released between March and December of this year. But that includes theatrical films and VOD and streaming releases, which... I'm very curious about what happens here, Peter, because if a streaming film wins Best Picture and suddenly this rule is sort of up in the air about do we keep it or do we go back on it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they could. I, I really think this feels like a pivotal moment for how, you know, for people like me who enjoy talking about award stuff. Uh, this is a very pivotal moment to see whether this is permanent or if it's just them trying to keep the pandemic coverage going. What, what do you think is going to happen? Do you what do you think is going to happen for the next year? Do you think they're going to keep it, or do you think are you just are you asking me to put my ten dollars on another part of the betting table, uh, yes. Peter? <laughs> okay, uh, my ten dollars would be that this is the, a, a sea change. This is this is be a, a going forward. They will allow streaming films to be nominated, and I, I believe this is because the Academy has been actively re- reworking its membership, inviting in lots of younger, more diverse people, and the way movies are made has changed, and it. And yes, I love seeing movies in theaters, and I think that there's always going to be a prestige quality of a film opening in theaters. I think Netflix, for that reason, will probably have certain films you know, play for a month in theaters like they have in the past. Uh, but I also think that times, they are changing. <laughs> Happy birthday, Bob Dylan, last week or whatever. So, you know, um, yeah. I, 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 I just, I can't envision a long-term future where the Academy tries to stay relevant and also insists on streaming films being shut out. Uh, allow me to be a voice of dissension. <laughs> Because I'm not so certain that the, certain this this is a sea change as much as it is acknowledging the fact that there's still going to be a big chunk of this year where some theatrical releases that would have normally been in theaters are instead being sent straight to streaming um, rather than getting the big sc- screen release that they otherwise would have. And so part of me thinks this is them being inclusive as a way to just make sure that studios still get a chance to submit movies that um, didn't get a theatrical release, you know, because they came out maybe earlier this year or something like that, and will still qualify for the awards. Because at the end of the day, like the, the uh, not including um, movies that premiered exclusively on streaming, uh, or, or, mo- or I guess even mostly on streaming, wasn't that big of a deal because, you know, Netflix, uh, you know, they, they still gave some of their movies limited theatrical releases in order to qualify. And I feel like even if this is a sea change, where they allow movies that exclusively debut on streaming to qualify for the Academy Awards... It's not going to make that big of a difference when it comes to nominations, if only because of the political and campaigning game that gets played for the Oscars every year. Because let's say there is a smaller movie that is getting a streaming release. It's probably not coming from a major studio. It's coming from a, a, you know, a much smaller company. And they probably don't have the funds to actively campaign for a movie to get it in front of the entire Academy's eyes. And so studio movies that are going to be released in theaters and potentially on streaming as well, accompanying it, um, or even just a limited theatrical release with a major streaming release are still going to be the ones that dominate the nominations. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're certainly not wrong there, Bradley. And I, I, we, you asked me to put $10 down on the table, and I did. <laughs> uh, but, but I also think that there's a very strong chance you are correct. I don't know where this goes. I think it's going to come down to 
what happens the next year? Do how do streaming uh, movies perform at the awards? How are they nominated? And I think more importantly, how does the membership react to this? Uh, and that's going to be the big key thing. Is if the same members who have been inducted to try to you know bring more diverse talent into nominations are they the, the same group who are going to be young and hip enough to try to force this into a thing? I genuinely think it could go both ways. Uh, Brad, uh, 10 bucks, uh, friendly bet. Uh, next year, let's see what happens, okay? Sure, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. If I had to choose one of you, the winner of this debate, I, I couldn't. Because I think both of you played your side uh, very well. So uh, congrats to both of you. I, I'm also curious, you know, 10 years down the road, when we're looking back at 2020 and 2021, uh, the the year of awards, I guess, two thousand twenty one and two thousand twenty two. If you want to be technical on the the award ceremonies, uh, are is there going to be a big asterisk next to like the the winners? Because this year, you know, you're not winning for the year; you're winning for ten months. And last year it was you know, the selection was less. Hmm. I don't want to put an asterisk on it. I I you know I, I I'm always hesitant about asterisks. I'll never forget when the Spurs. Peter, from my hometown of San Antonio, won their first championship. Uh, the coach of the Lakers uh, said, well, it was an NBA lockout year. A lot of teams weren't playing as much or weren't playing at all. So they should be an asterisk. And then that turned him into it, turned the Lakers into the Spurs as like instant arch enemy for like a decade. And <laughs> as, a, as a San Antonian, I was like, F you, Lakers. Uh, so I have, I have an immediate yeah. like blood reaction to people talking about asterisks on awards yeah. and championships. <laughs> And by the way, I'm not I'm not suggesting that there needs to be an asterisk there. I'm just wondering how will this time be looked at back like, you know, in the future of the award, uh, you know, that that whole film award world. Will these two world two years be like discounted in some way? No, not discounted. I, I think there'll be a very interesting chapter in, you know, the Oscar history books they put out every year where each, you know, like here's a one this year and here's some trivia. There'll be some very good trivia for these two years. Okay. That brings us to the end of today's slash film daily. You can find more of all of our work at slash film.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at slash film.com. And please rate and read this podcast, not Apple podcast. Tell your friends, spread the word. And we'll see you on Monday.